Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cochileo. And before we get started, I just want to thank the contributors to the show, executive producer, Candice Sanderson, the author of Reluctant Messenger. Amanda Steele is my senior editor. She is the author of Ghosts of Me. And Binaural Engineer, Damien Keller. And he is the author of Sounds Good and Sounds Great. Uh, If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show, you can visit my website, everythingimaginable2020.com. And you'll find a bunch of information there. And you'll also find uh, some free content in the vault. Uh, Definitely check it out. And now, without further ado, we have Denny Hunt. And he is from the website getwisdom.com. And uh, he has some really interesting things on his website. And I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. Thanks for being on, Denny. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, wh- what is this website about and, and what is the goal of it? Okay. Uh, it's basically um, and essentially features the work of Carl Mollison, who is a channeler and a, a fellow who developed a healing, a healing protocol called the Lightworker Healing Protocol. And he... He used to be a uh, scientist that worked with the big pharmaceutical company, one of the big five or six um, pharmaceutical companies out there. And that was his career. Uh, you know, he started off in hospitals and got his degree in, um, I think, um, b- uh, biological sciences, uh, chemistry. I'm not really sure exactly what his degrees are in, but he ended up with uh, being quite successful in that field. Uh, a lot of published papers, some inventions. Uh, his bio is on the uh, Get Wisdom website, as well as mine. And then we have another partner, Brian Kelly, who uh, is an attorney, uh, also works for a big, a large uh, corporation in the Chicago area. He still does that uh, full-time. And so Carl and I are the full-time guys on Get Wisdom, and Brian is our web guru. And we mostly, mostly think... Uh, focus on the work that Carl does to his channeling and his, his channeling is kind of unique because uh, from its inception, from the, from the day he found out that he could do channeling, he was always interested in that serving his goal of doing healing work. And that was his main motivation, becoming a scientist with the pharmaceutical company, because he was help, hoping to develop, uh, you know, new drug therapies, new drugs, to help people with disease and whatnot. And, you know, he had an epiphany back, I would call it a spiritual awakening. I guess he would too, back in around the year 2000, that he was kind of barking up the wrong tree. Hmm. And so he got into hypnotherapy and that led to channeling. And then he found out he could do some pretty amazing things with channeling. And he, I I would, I think most people would consider him a kind of a, a unique channeler. And insofar as the claims are that, that, you know, from his, from what he's learned from his channeling work is that most channelers are corrupted. They're actually contacting beings that are um, 
presenting themselves as something other than what the Chandler thinks that they're dealing with. So for instance, if you had a Chandler saying, oh, I'm, I'm channeling an ascended master, uh, what we have found out through Carl's work is that most of these beings identifying themselves like that are actually Anunnaki psychics or dark spirits. Most of them are, are ET psychics. And uh, they've perfected the game of controlling humans. And, uh, and of course, the biggest threat to the whole ET agenda, as, as, as we have been able to determine it, is uh, people with psychic abilities. So they're monitored very closely because people with psychic abilities can perceive things that the rest of us can't. And, um, and that's an area where ETs are vulnerable. Um, and they prefer, we have found that they prefer to stay behind the scenes and do their manipulations through humans, primarily mm -hmm. through mind control and actually replacing humans. So all of this is uh, kind of a bitter pill to swallow out in this field, because basically the claim here is that, you know, over 90% of all of us in this UFO researching and spiritual fields are being duped. And, um, most people, including myself, don't like to uh, be told that. <laughs> wow. So it's a, get it's an uphill battle at get wisdom. Put it that way. Well, I have to say, I have interviewed well, at least five or six uh, psychics that channel through ETs: Pleiadians, Arcturians, Syrians. So all those different entities have bad intentions for humanity. Uh, that would be our contention, yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's what we found out, you know. Um, and it's a safety issue. It's a it's a mat. It, you know, you've heard the term "as above, so below." Yeah. You know, so if you're out on the streets, you know, you can. It's very easy to run into a con artist, and it's the same thing in the in the fourth dimension in this world of psychic uh, endeavors. Um, if you stick your head up, you start looking around in that arena, mm -hmm. um, they're watching because they have to watch because their their cover is dependent on them not being discovered, so to speak. And so, so this has been going on for you know thousands of years, well before recorded history. And humanity has basically been um, considered the property of these ET species. And there's there's four of them. Uh, one being a biological robotic being and the rest ancient, ancient sociopathic um, alien races that um, the first of which the Anunnaki discovered humans on earth. Um, I think it's approximately 150,000 years ago. And this was the second go around. So what we've learned is that um, humans are uh, literally an extension of God and created to solve the problem of evil in the universe. Hmm. And so many, 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 many years ago, um, Earth was selected as a place to uh, start the divine human free will project, if you will, or free will experiment. And the first inception, the Anunnaki found humans, um, Allegedly, an episode perhaps somewhat similar to what we're seeing now transpired and the Anunnaki's answer to the whole uh, experiment was to eliminate humans and they were successful in doing that. 
So the divine realm, source creator, God, if you will, decided to do this again. Mm -hmm. And so they started humans again on earth after the Anunnaki had left. And lo and behold, the Anunnaki came back to check on their possession, which, you know, they believe the earth is theirs. And here's humans again. And so um, then we had the Atlantean period, and that's when the Arcturians and the Reptilians arrived on the scene. And since then, there's been a, um, a tenuous alliance between those three races, plus the creation of the Arcturians, which are, are the, what most people would call the greys. Hmm. So it's a dark almond-shaped eye, eyes, right. which are DNA-based DNA based, um, biological robots developed by the Arcturians. And the greys are the ones that are very interested in uh, figuring out what they, what they would call the DNA puzzle of humans. Um, they know that humans have some kind of a mojo um, or power, if you will, and also the ability to reincarnate, which they find very perplexing. And they are, they're certain that it is somehow tied to DNA. So that is the reason for human abductions, human experimentation, which you can trace back into ancient history. This has been going on for a long, long time. And uh, so the Gray's motivation is to try to develop, integrate some of this, some of these human characteristics into their robotic race. And uh, so that's the story as best that we've been able to discover it. And we've, you know, Carl's continuing to collect up questions, ask questions, go to the divine realm, get answers. And if you go to get to the get wisdom uh, website, there's a thing called the divine wisdom database. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can read all the transcriptions of these answered questions. And I'm, I think it's somewhere around 3000 pages of material on there now. Yeah. I was checking that out earlier. Um, how is Carl able to determine the entity that he's channeling is not a negative alien versus the other ones? Right. Well, um, he he has he worked up to this through uh, archangels and his own father, who was used to be a minister. So that's a kind of interesting interesting story in itself because when his father was alive. Carl and his father, you know, they're amicable. They had a good relationship, but, but Carl's father was, uh, you know, a spiritual fellow interested in God, religion, the Bible, and Carl was all science. So after his dad passed and Carl found out that he could uh, contact disincarnate spirits, both, both spirits that have not successfully transitioned to the light and those that had, he was able to channel his own father and also archangels. And basically through them, they told him, there's no, there's nothing preventing you in this process from contacting God. And in that process, he always was being cautious because what he was, what he was finding through his channeling work with his father and these archangels, that a lot of the information he was getting was at odds with, with other channeled information, primarily the, the notion that there was uh, a good ET cohort, cohort interacting with humans and um, he just wasn't finding that anywhere so um for me i mean this is this is a question that has to persist 24 7 um and carl carl is very aware of this 
So he's always asking for protection. He's always double checking things. He always goes back to the well with a question that's um, configured slightly differently than the one before and checking for inconsistencies and whatnot. And one of the things he found out in, in dealing with the divine realm is that they don't lead. Um, they are only gonna answer the questions that are being asked and they're not gonna come up with uh, novel or breakthrough ideas. That's our job to come up with that. So it's kind of a torturous process. Um, mm -hmm. They respect free will to what I would call ridiculous extremes. So they're not going to put any idea in your head that's going to lead you in the right direction unless it's something that's already there in its infant stages, something you've come up with. And um, so they, they respect free will. Like for an example, I can give two examples. Is if you want to be a skeptic about religion and God and all those kinds of things, they honor that, that skeptical attitude. And so that, that's why we see throughout recorded history, there's not really any, any uh, blatant proof that God exists. You know, um, I mean, for some of us, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous question. It's, it's, it's immensely obvious that God does, does exist. But for an avowed atheist, their requirements for proof are a lot different from most spiritually oriented orientated people. And so we don't really see, um, you know, someone coming along like Carl and say, oh, I can prove God exists. You know, they, they respect free will. They respect this to an extent that um, skeptics have standing and they always will have standing. And uh, so that makes this enterprise kind of difficult. Um, but the question you ask is, is relevant and it has to be asked continually. Hmm. Um, you, you mentioned that, uh, they're replacing humans. How, how is that happening? Oh yeah. Well, um, it's very similar to what D David Icke has discovered. Um, reptilians can, you know, they call them shapeshifters or whatever, but what we found out is that reptilians actually kill humans, use their DNA and replicate them and then live out the human life such that from our perspective, we never see anything odd. Um, and this is very, this is so common. Um, we thought it was a kind of an aberrant thing in situations where it was needed to be done because of what they were carrying out with their, with their agenda. Uh, like a great example of Stalin. Uh, you know, Stalin killed over 60 million of his own people in, in Russia through the gulag. Um, system and the whole communist regime starting even before Stalin came to power, you know, they were, they were getting rid of political dissidents or e people that were even mildly suspected would be sent to, to gulags and, and starved to death and killed. And this, this accounted, this accounted to over 60 million people. Well, Stalin was killed as a young man and replaced by reptilian. That's what we found out. So uh, it turns out David Icke is right. Um, <laughs> and, um, not about everything, but the, but um, and then the way the way that it's described in terms of shape shifting is a little bit different from what I think he he has um, what he has found. Mm -hmm. What we have found is that they actually kill the human, so the the the, the human is you know dies in this process process goes either becomes a disincarnate spirit or returns to the light, and this reptilian assumes that that person's life. So. What we found is that uh, people uh, that are um, 
um, centers of power, if you will, individually on the geopolitical stage uh, are the most likely targets for this to have happened. And okay. it's all it's all about controlling humanity. So are, are Bill and, uh, and Hillary Clinton reptilians? Uh, that I don't know. And if I did, I wouldn't say it. Hmm. And that's another feature of what what we're uh -huh. doing here is because a lot of thing a lot of things we're not told because if we were told it would jeopardize our safety. Right. So I, I know that's sort of one of the philosophies of David Icke, and I had interviewed. Len Katzen, I believe. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I think and, he's barking up the right tree, that fellow. Um, where, why, what, so, do these different species, the reptilians and the greys, the Pleiadians and the Syrians, do they all have, Arcturians, do they all have separate agendas for humanity or for the planet Earth? Well, or are they the, all the after the same the, thing? Well, they're after the same thing. You know, Earth is, has resources. You know, we've all heard the story. Um, I'm not a big fan of Sitchin, but it turned out a lot. A lot of things that he that he wrote about were true. Uh, the Anunnaki and the gold thing. A lot. There's many parts of that story that are exactly true. Um, um, humans are also energetically connected to Creator and if 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 humans can be triggered to, to create strong negative emotions that's food for these dark spirits uh, so the story in the bible about fallen angels is largely correct and the fallen angels that angelic realm that moved away from creator are the ones that are infecting these advanced technologically advanced ancient species mm -hmm. of aliens so they're thoroughly infected it's you could you could look at it in terms as a parasitic host relationship and they've carried that to humans. So that's the other thing we found in through this channeling work that Carl's doing is, and a big part of the healing modality is removing entity attachments from, from humans. Hmm. Um, we, we are plagued with entities that um, the average human out there has seven, um, um, we call them meddlers, spirit meddlers attached to their energy field. And they generally attach to the human's chakras. And this happens young, when they're young and uh, becomes normal. Um, so we, most of us live our whole lives with these entities attached to us and they're, they're draining energy off of us. And we never know what normal feels like. And speaking of normal, it's, it's good to also point out is that the Anunnaki, when they encounter humans, the first thing that they did to the human race was genetically modify us so that we're detached from our deep subconscious, which is distinct from our subconscious, and also deep genetically uh, through DNA, DNA manipulation, detached us from our higher selves. So we don't have those connections. A normal human, the way God created us, has full capacity to be aware of and interact with our deep subconscious. In fact, you know, we wouldn't call it that if it was because it wouldn't be subconscious. It would be part of our conscious mind. Right. But we're detached from that. And we're also detached from our higher selves. And the Anunnaki figured out a way to do that, despite their atheistic worldview, because they knew by doing those kinds of DNA manipulations that we would be easier to control. Okay. So I have to ask an, an obvious question. Sure. If there's a creator... Why would he allow this to begin with? 
Well, the creator created the angels and there was an angelic component that moved, that fell away due to the free will. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you're, if you're, you could, the way I think of it is like, okay, if I'm God and I'm all powerful and I want to create a universe and I want to, I want to have fellowship, then I would create beings with free will because the greatest honor is to have someone with free will want to be my friend, want to be my partner, want to be my, my creative partner in the, in, in the creation of the universe. So that's the way I look at it. I'm sure there's a much more esoteric and um, probably a better way to explain it, but that's the way I look at it. So God created the angelic realm. Some of them broke off. Beings were created all over the universe. They were created by God, some with varying levels of free will. But the unique thing about the Milky Way galaxies is that this is the um, galaxy designated as the free will zone. So free will at the level we experience here cannot be experienced anywhere else in the universe. So the Milky Way galaxy, where these other ETs exist, negative and positive, um, have free will to 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 a much larger extent than you would find anywhere anywhere else in the universe. Mm-hmm. So with this evil that was um, created out of uh, you know creator's experiment, if you will, had to had to be dealt with on the physical level, and so thus the creation of humans. So that's our purpose. That's why God made humans is to eventually heal our perpetrators and then heal ourselves and then continue on with this free will experiment to do more healing all over the uh, galaxy. So, you know, you could think of this as, you know, we are in the infant stages of seeing if this experiment will actually be be successful. The last time it was tried, it was not successful. Um, One of the things I see here in the database is that Carl channeled Admiral Richard Byrd. Yeah. But there's no that transcript was, here. Uh, uh, so there's a, well, there's a video somewhere. Yeah, there's a video. We all we all we videotape the uh, the channeling sessions, and then we create transcripts, and the transcripts are available to our um, our members. members. All right. What happened during that channeling? That one I'm really particularly interested in. Uh, is a topic that comes up a lot. Is Richard Bird's diary. And, yeah. um, and I have actually interviewed somebody who's been to the base in Antarctica. And um, I'm also kind of hoping to get Richard Bird's great-granddaughter on eventually. Oh, interesting. So can you tell me a little bit about that channeling? Well, he, he did encounter um, uh, ETs and humans in, uh, you know, um, I would say working under the direction of ETs. It was probably primarily reptilians. And it probably was an extension of, of the Nazi regime, if you will. Um, other than that, most of the information about Antarctica is disinformation. And then you see that everywhere. And it just, what it does is it creates confusion, division, people running off in all different kinds of directions, trying to, you know, promote what they think is the truth. And then, you know, the casualty is the truth. And this you know, in the in the arena of UFO and ET research and also spiritual research, you know, especially you know, vis-a-vis the New Age movement, um, 
it's it's a huge mess and you can see why people get so confused and discouraged after a while mm -hmm. one of the things i used to do was look for like a consensus um you know i would i would i would go around look at all the different sources of information read all these different books and then try to figure out where there was commonality and then kind of come up with a kind of a framework of of what is plausible or what's most likely true and it turns out not even that is a good idea to a good way to approach this right so um um yeah so a lot of what we what we've learned about richard bird through various sources is is an error um but he was attacked um there was loss of life and he was told in no uncertain terms after he did that little um, interview with the newspaper fellows down in South America to keep his mouth shut. And that's mm -hmm. what he did for the rest of his life. How about the diary? Is diary real? Uh, I can't really speak to that. I haven't seen it. Um, stuff like that. So easy to fabricate. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, like so much of the research, UFO research, I see this a lot is like, you know, people, people deferring to government documents, you know, you know, treating that as the Holy grail and the, and the last word on the matter matter. And that, that's probably the least trustworthy source out there. Okay. But during the channeling, he was able to confirm that he was in Antarctica and that there were, oh, yeah. were, there is an underground base of aliens. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that was also, um, verified again with another channeling we did with, uh, Oh, the guy, the, you know, the movie JFK yeah. it was based on his book. Uh, uh, pardon me just for a second. I'm going to mm -hmm. get rid of this. I have to get the phone out of the, out of the room. Sorry. It's probably that. the FBI calling you, telling you not to talk to you. <laughs> No, they're just listening. It's easier. <laughs> um, so, um, so where was I? Yeah. So, yeah. There's de definitely a reptilian base there, and it's the, you know they the World War II was one of the annihilation plans of the ETs, just like the um, the Bay of Pigs and the uh, you know the the missile fiasco that Kennedy went through. Mm -hmm. um, Stalin's purges, Mao Zedong, all this stuff is uh, ET orchestrated events. That's what we found out. Interesting. And, um, you know, life on earth is hard. It's a dangerous place. Uh, we also found out that every one of us that came here, came here of our own free will and our, our charter, if you will, is to do what, what humans were created to do and solve the problem of evil. But this is a terrifically difficult place to do anything like that. You know, we're trained in mind control to um, watch out for number one. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are um, believe in the effic efficacy of the justice system and war and all that kind of stuff. But none of that is divinely aligned. Mm -hmm. um, so we're kind of, you know, we're asking people to step back and rethink this whole thing and entertain the idea that the worst of the worst perpetrators started out as victims hmm. and even they can be healed. And this goes all the way up to the angelic realm and it can be done, but it can only be done at human request in partnership with the divine realm. So that's what this light worker healing protocol is all about. 
Is COVID-19 part of an alien agenda too? Yes. Is it another one of their attempts to wipe us out? Yeah, it didn't go as well as they expected. They expected the death rates to be much higher and they expected that their human uh, you know, minions would be able to manipulate more people into a state of fear, you know, more mask wearing, more lockdown, more vaccines. It's, you know, it's not working out. Um, I would contend there's some divine intervention going on and that's the reason the death counts have been so low. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to tell humans not to have fun. Yeah, no, we're no, you know, and, and some of us can do this work and have fun at the same time. Yeah. Um I mean that's part I, of it. I mean right? every once in a while I I mean like right now I'm having fun. Yeah. I mean I enjoy talking to you. Yeah, it's, I enjoy it's all part having of it. a place to tell the story. But on the other hand, you know, uh, you know, we we you know we deal with people that are uh, um really having a, t a tough time because they mm -hmm. know something's desperately wrong. Um, how about the abductions? You know, I, I've interviewed quite a few abductees, yeah. and, and a lot of them have similar stories, and a lot of them too. You know, some of it backs up what you're saying because they, during their abduction episodes, the parts that they remember, they remember, you know, not just one particular type of alien, but multiple types of alien, and sometimes even humans. Yeah. Um. You know. You say they're collecting DNA. I'm thinking like, one of the things that I have with about the DNA thing is that, um, I mean, if they're able to reproduce themselves to look like a human, to me, that would imply they've already figured it out. Oh, in terms of reincarnation and all that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Well, there. Okay, let's put it this way. There there could be things that the reptilians and the Arcturians and the Anunnaki know know about that, but they certainly don't know about it from the perspective of the divine realm. And they don't believe in God. They're they're the apex sociopaths, they're the apex atheists, and basically their prowess is all technologically derived. Mm -hmm. And their technology is staggering. Uh, life extension, this kind of stuff is, uh, you know, they're master DNA manipulators. But it's plausible. I don't know this for a fact, but it's plausible that they're not telling the Greys certain things. And, you know, the Greys are kind of, could be on the hook, like, okay, Greys, you can be on Earth, do all this stuff, with the carrot being that you're going to be able to, to figure out this DNA puzzle, and you're going to be able to turn yourself into a sentient being with reincarnational capabilities via, you know, uh, your successful research on DNA on humans. But meanwhile, you have to do these abductions and do this and do that and do this other thing that's in service to the, our alliance to subjugate humans and cause strife and create food for our parasites, which are the fallen aliens. I mean, the fallen, fallen angelics, which are disconnected from God and their, their source of sustenance and life is, is to feed off beings that still have even a tenuous connection back to creator. And so, um, you know, they, they're doing this to the ETs, but I think humans by comparison looks like they look, we all look like juicy ripe apples. Interesting. Um, 
So then why is it uh, a lot of these ET encounters that happen, uh, they, they do things like go to military bases and turn off nuclear weapons. They land in schoolyards and tell children to save the planet. To me, some of those things don't seem negative. Yeah, and, that, and I think what, what you would find if you research those on a case-by-case basis that they're a combination of things. Um, for instance, um, benevolent ET communication, the best example of benevolent ET communication with humans, which usually happens on some type of a psychic level, it's, um, uh, but it's crop circles. Mm-hmm. You know, crop circles are, from what, from what we've learned, primarily from benevolent ETs sending messages of encouragement and warning in some cases to humans. And um, in some rare instances, uh, uh, benevolent ETs will make contact with humans for the same reasons. Um, and there's even some channelers out there that ha- that are in, in communication with benevolent um, beings, if you will, but they're not asking the right questions. And so it, it, it comes out as a, in, in our view, I mean, our, from our perspective, they're not answering, the, they're not asking the right questions. Uh-huh. I mean, that's very, that's a very subjective thing. Um, and we, we understand that, but they're, they're not going to get the same answers that we're getting because they're not asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. This whole ET, this whole negative ET thing came up through Carl's healing work with his clients. And that was how Carl and I actually hooked up. He's, he said he was finding in his, in his healing work that, that a lot of the people that were coming to him were people who had been had ET interactions. And, and he, at first he thought this was just kind of like a little sideline, kind of an anomalous little thing that was happening from time to time. But then he realized that about 5% of his clients were reporting these kinds of things. And the more he looked into it, the more he was starting to realize that this was serious. And at the time he ran into me, I had a YouTube channel called Why Is This True? And I was doing the same thing you're doing. I was interviewing people who were abducted or had some kind of interactions or experiences where it was very awkward for them to be in a public setting and share their stories because people would just accuse them of being delusional and that you know they need to be on medication or institutionalized or something like that, which is what happens to a lot of them if they start telling their friends, family, and their doctor that they're hearing voices or you know, they're a targeted individual or ETs come and get them at night, that kind of thing. So I wanted what I wanted. So I had this YouTube channel called Why Is This True? And I would invite the people on and try to create an environment where they weren't getting the third degree. And I wasn't acting like a like a, a cop around them, you right. know, trying to catch them in their mixed up stories or whatever. Just let them tell their story. And uh, so I actually went to Car- Carl never never found my YouTube channel. I went to him for healing myself and I had great success with his healing work on me. And then that's how we met. And then later after he found out this ET thing was a lot bigger than he thought it was, he, he said, well, you know, I, I being told that I need to get the word out. I need to have a bigger audience. Is it all right if I um, come back onto your show and we do interviews and, and I asked him to do an interview just about him and his work, even though I wasn't really, at the time, I wasn't really sold on what he was, what he was finding out, what he was saying. Um, I didn't really believe. Um, I wasn't on board with everything that he was saying about, you know, the world and what's happening and all that. And, uh, but eventually, you know, the idea came up, hey, I will channel people in the light that were involved in ET cover-up. 
you know, the, the covering up the ET interaction with humans and the true story about what ETs are doing here mm-hmm. amongst humans. And so that's how we started. And so our first channeling subject was Dwight D. Eisenhower. And then we did a, uh, then we did James Forrestal, who's thrown out of a you know hospital window, 13th floor of Bethesda, Maryland. You know, it was a, you know, there's no way this guy would commit, commit suicide. And that's what they said. And, you know, he knew about the ET stuff. And then we, then we, interviewed this uh the secret service agent um that turned out to be me in a previous life and i was on the uh eisenhower detail and the story goes the short version is that i knew that there was something wrong and that um and that uh eisenhower was in danger but i was too far down the pecking order so i was you know feverishly trying to get make contact with uh eisenhower so i could tell him what i had learned and I was, I was dismissed and killed. Um, and so I found out this in a circuitous way that we, so we actually did a channeling of this fellow who was me and which is a whole nother story of how that, how that could even be possible. But we found out that the story was true. And then we continued on from there and we, we've done like 140 channeling subjects. And that's one of the things that we feature on the website. And we make transcripts of those and that those are available to our supporter members. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a story. It's, uh, most people don't believe us and I don't blame them. So one of the things that you mentioned is crop circles. And one of the people that I have interviewed is Patricia Corey. And she mm-hmm. wrote uh, a book on the new Syrian revelations and how she came in contact with them was through an experience that she had in a crop circle. She was visiting a crop circle. She she passed out, fell unconscious, whatever happened. And then when she awoke, she was able to have communication with these beings and channeling them. And you know, she's written several books since then. Um. So. Would you say that she's being manipulated by Syrians, and that well, their agenda is negative, is that or Syrians is it that they're they're actually trying to help? Well, our understanding is the Syrians, if they're properly identified, I mean that's another problem because they'll call themselves anything, especially the negative ones. The, the the benevolent ones usually won't misidentify themselves. But our understanding is that the Syrians are, are benevolent, but they have a hands-off policy. Like this is the free will zone. This is Earth is the, it belongs to humans and humans are in, in charge of solving the problems here. And our the ace that we have up our sleeve is our connection to the divine realm and the divine realm will help us and can do amazing things. But it's not going to do um, do so with uh, with uninformed requests or, or or just stupid, please. Oh, fix this for me. You know, we, we have to hold up our end of the bargain. We have to ask intelligent questions and we have to be genuine in our desire to fix things on earth and and realizing that realizing what it means to be in divine alignment which means you know heal everyone including the perpetrators so in her experience it's very possible that she had an interaction with the benevolent syrians and our understanding is that is uh, the syrians are very likely one of the species um, that is responsible for the crop circles but due to the fact they do have a, a hands-off policy and and if they were to engage in a more um, overt way with humanity 
that would just spell disaster for for humans um, mm. because the negative ETs will not tolerate that. And then the other issue with the benevolent ETs um, that are closely related to humans, as they are the Syrians, the Pleiadians, they actually exist in a different dimension. Right. And fr from their perspective, there's really it doesn't make sense for them to do anything in this in this dimension that we're that we're in. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't have a more detailed explanation for that. But again, you know, um, I think a lot of the reason that we don't know more details about the, some of these dynamics is that if we did, it would actually paint a target on us <laughs> and we wouldn't be able to continue doing what we're doing right now. We're in the category of, uh, uh, excuse my French, but stupid religious people that believe in the, in the fiction of God. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 the people who run things on earth don't believe in God. They think that's a fairy tale. They think it's nonsense. They think it's uh, something that humans made up to comfort themselves. And um, believing in God from their perspective is just a weakness. And so that's the category that Get Wisdom's in right now. And which and it accounts for our, our relative safety at, right now. I, you know, two months from now, I, you know, I don't know. So who is God and what does he, I mean, does God care about what happens or is he neutral? He cares about what, what happens, but if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to try to solve evil in the universe, um, God could do that, but it's like, I mean, you know, from, from my perspective, it's like, what's the point? You know, you just make this static thing that's all, you know, beautiful and rosy and then put your feet up and, you know, watch TV. I mean, to me, it's like it, it's meaningless. It's a meaningless mm -hmm. exercise. What what from my perspective, what God do, doing is filled with meaning. It's the I, th I think the most um, poignant story to, to portray my understanding of what's going on here is the prodigal son. You know, you right. and this is the way God probably feels about a lot of us humans and certainly about the fallen angels is that, you know, I created you and you and you left me. And you went out, you had this experience and you realized that I'm your father and that I love you and I love you endlessly. And I don't care what you did. I just want you back with me. And that's the that's the God story. That's the human story. And um, and I think it's the truth. Whenever I think of it, it touches my heart. And um, I think that's what's going on here. And if any of us could understand how much we're loved by God, it would, it would, it would stun us into silence. Hmm. I think it's hard for people to believe that, though, considering the situation he has placed us in. Well, see, he didn't place us in it. He created beings left him and created the situation we're in right, right now. But, but he had to so know, you, he had to know that was going to happen. Yeah, well, perhaps, but if the story has a happy ending, it's the most meaningful glorious story that you could ever think of in my opinion. Is I'm, that, I'm is, happy to be part of it myself. Is, is, is the happy ending guaranteed? No. It's not. That's why we're that's why we're trying it again. 
Hmm. And I hope third time's not a charm because I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> um, so how about the healing modalities that you guys use the, as, as light workers? Um, yeah, it's a, it, you could think of it as a high level prayer request. Mm -hmm. So through exhaustive, repeated back and forth between Carl and creator and some of our practitioners, Carl and creator, this, this healing modality called the Lightworker Healing Protocol, which is a high-level prayer request, uh, has been refined. Um, I think someone counted it up. It's you know since I learned it in February of 2018, it's been it's gone through 21 revisions, enhancements, where we we tweak things just a little bit to make it better. Mm -hmm. And so what it's all based on is all the things that we know are wrong with humans or 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 make humans life life's worse it has to do with karma trauma uh our misconceptions of time um our perpetrators whether they be dark ets or disincarnate spirits or these interlopers uh or fallen fallen angelics which are like parasites all of these things have contributed to the human condition in various ways and so there's various ways of uh, addressing the root causes, the root causes of all of the problems that any human could potentially encounter. So the LHP is like this laundry list of all these things that we're asking Creator to heal on on behalf of our client. And then whenever we do it, we're also doing doing that healing for ourselves. We're asking uh -huh. for that healing ourselves, but we're not doing the healing. It's, it's just like we are being we're trying to be really intelligent about what to ask creator to do on behalf of our clients. Mm -hmm. And so creator is meeting us halfway, if you will. Okay. So the the thing that determines the efficacy of the light worker healing protocol is my belief quotient, my understanding of what I'm asking for and my ability to keep a loving connection between God and my client. And those are the only three things that I need to have. To, that would determine the efficacy. So I don't need to be psychic. You know, I don't, we have two versions of the LHP, one for people who are psychic and one for people who are not. Two thirds of the people who know and use the LHP are not psychic. Uh, they probably wouldn't consider themselves healers. They don't get any kind of feedback. So that when they, when they ask creator to remove entity attachments from their client's energy field, they're not getting a count. Uh, you know, oh, there was two attached to the heart chakra and there was one attached to the throat chakra, you know, da, 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 da. So, now, some of our practitioners, they get feedback like that and they, they, they can see things that are happening in this exchange where they are making requests to the divine realm. But we don't share that information with the client um, if we get it, because what we found is that a lot of times that just triggers them back into old karmic cycles. Uh-huh. So it's uh, and there's a gatekeeper in this whole process, and that's the client's higher self. Mm -hmm. So if there's some healing you're asking for, but the higher self says, you know, no, you know, we're not going to cure cancer for this person because this is part of their karmic life lesson. This is something they agreed to go through before they incarnated so that they could learn the lesson about being a human in this physical realm. So you so you your gatekeeper is your own higher self. So when you do the prayer. It's not like me being, um, you know, for lack of a better description, 
an energy healer and I'm going to go in and I'm going to look at your aura and I would say, oh, there's this big brown spot over here. I'm going to take my energy and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to remove that thing and you're going to feel better. Like I'm not, I'm not interacting with my client that way. What I'm, what I'm interacting with is the divine realm making requests. So that's what we call it. It's like a high level prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that your client is the gatekeeper on the whole process. It may not be in their direct awareness, but what I'm getting at is that unlike a lot of other healing, healing modalities, you don't need to do this for someone who's acquiesced to get the healing. You can do this for somebody who's an avowed atheist if you want. And somebody who doesn't, you know, doesn't even believe in God, but you could do that. You could do the LHP for them, you know, as a gift or whatever you want. You don't. And, you know, we advise if you do it that way, don't tell them, just do it. Just do it. It's a prayer for them. It's, you know, it's all, it's all in the plus column. It's all in the plus column. And the other thing that's very uh, strongly emphasized in this whole healing modality, the, the Lightworker Healing Protocol, is protection and safety for the practitioner. So these communications are actually protected from interlopers, from ET psychics, or somebody who's going to try to be looking in and catch you in the act of, you know, going against their handiwork. Interesting. Yeah. Um, can your clients learn how to do this for themselves? Absolutely. About about half of our um, clients, people that come to us um, to get a session done for themselves or their family, half of them end up being students. Have you ever heard of Dr. Motion Paul Safarazi? No, 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 no. He, he also has a very similar um, channeling where he, he deals with positive and negative entities. Is he from Iran? I don't know exactly where he's from. He's in, I think he's in the United States now. I think he's oh. in uh, Vermont or someplace, someplace cold. There, there was a fellow, I think. Somewhere in the Middle East, someone, I think it was Iran, and uh, one of, somebody who found Get Wisdom said, oh, you're, you're teaching almost the same thing this guy did. And he sent us some links, and I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Yeah. So um, if you ever have a chance, I did an interview with him. Oh, okay. So you could listen to it. Okay. But it was really similar to, to kind of some of the stuff that you're saying. And cool. I've also interviewed someone, too. In fact, I just put the episode out today. Um, his name is Nathan Gillis. And he also says that what we perceive as aliens are actually uh, demonic entities. Gillis, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know? I understand. But there are some similarities. It's a very popular theory amongst some some Christian circles. Yeah. If there's no such thing as ETs, they're all de- de- demonic, you know, demonic beings, which in a sense is, is correct. I mean, there's a way that you could look at that so that, you know, it's not really an com- entirely erroneous statement. I mean, from our from our work, you know, there there is a valid distinction. You know, mm-hmm. um, aliens are in- incarnated beings, at least the ones that we're dealing with, except for the greys. They're robot. They're basically robots or like yeah. your, your refrigerator. You can't heal your refrigerator. It's a machine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a soul. Um, and the other thing the ETs are doing is that they're making um, 
they're making human hybrids and they're making human clones, both of which are soulless and both of which are pretty much indistinguishable from a normal human. Right. And See, that's, that's, that's a slowly becoming a larger percentage of the human population. It's creeping up. Right. And there's nothing I, I, that we can really do about well, that. I mean, I've always believed that, that, that definitely now, um, humans are making human clones and then those yeah. human clones are, are, are reproducing naturally creating more of themselves. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would go quite that far, but, but I, what I would say is that most of that kind of activity is being managed by the ETs. Is there a way to differentiate, differentiate, sorry, my pronunciation yeah, no, that's okay. sucks. No, not, not really. Between I mean, a human uh, and a clone. If you're psychic, you could probably tell. Um, but if you're psychic and you've done that a couple times and you survived having been, been having the ability to perceive that, then you already know what the constraints are around um, the whole process of making those kinds of identifications. Because it's to be frank, it's very dangerous. How is it dangerous? Well, you're you're discovering something that, if you were to share it with others, could jeopardize the ET's plans. Would they try to kill me? Well, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, look at Barbara Bertolic. Um, look at uh, Carla Turner. Look at Phil Schneider. Look at Dr. Uh, John Mack. So all those, if, I mean, all, if you want to, all, if you want to find those, out about the researchers mm -hmm. that were on the right track, virtually all of them are dead. So this could is actually a life and death situation where people are in physical danger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Cappy. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these people were starting to get to the core of um, what's the other one. Um, we did. We channeled her. The other, she's a woman. She found hung in her in her garage, mm -hmm. and she was a whistleblower. She's a friend of Isaac Cappy, Seth Rich. You know all these these people that chewing around the edges of the truth are, are in danger. If they don't have protection, if they don't have if they don't have a connection with the divine realm that they're appealing to on a on a or not appealing to, but that they're working with on a continuous basis, it's it could be quite dangerous. Mm. So I guess David Ike's just been lucky where he has protection. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't want to say too much, but, you know, if, if you see somebody who's got the bully pulpit, got the stage, and is being able to continue their, you know, their writing and their engagements and stuff, um, there is some aspect of what they're doing that's serving the, the negative ET agenda. And that's why they're still around. So even though they're kind of exposing them, they're also right. doing right. something that's beneficial to the negative yeah. ETs. Yeah, this disinformation is 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 very complex. It's like a multi-level chess game. You know, a lot of times you'll have you'll promote, and it's the whole Hegelian dialectic. You know, you f you fund both sides of the problem to have a preconceived, you know, uh, hybrid solution to the problem that ultimately serves your end goal. You know, they do this with the Republican Democrat. You know, they, this is an old, 
This is an old game that that um, ETs taught humans how to do, and ETs run on humans for for, for eons. Divide and conquer, divide and conquer. And most of us think of our enemies as some other human or some other human organization. We don't think of ourselves as a human family up against entities that are decidedly not human. You know, and we're trained to think that way. Mm-hmm. And we're also trained to think the other thing is savior programming, where we we think someone else is going to come and clean up our mess. And that's why this whole ascension thing has got so much uh, traction, you know, like the benevolent ETs are going to come and, and help us, you know, with technology and raise us up. And disclosure is going to, you know, solve all the human problems. And this is just an extension of that same kind of savior mentality where, you know, I can be a spectator and the work's going to get done. All I have to do is, you know, keep my, my, my vibration up. Or be nice to right. people. So, know, so, so the whole vibration thing, ascension thing, is all part of, yeah, propaganda created by the negative ETs just to kind of occupy humans. Yeah, well, keep, most throw, of the mind control them activities track. of the ETs is to create cul-de-sacs and apathy. Mm-hmm. So they get you into something where you're not gonna, you're not gonna cause any problems for them. You're just gonna be in your own little, you know, um, hamster wheel you know, churning up new information and you're not really going anywhere or you're apathetic. And apathy, apathy is the, is the biggie because, you know, the majority of the population, you know, everybody likes to say that they're asleep and that's true, but it's a, it's a result of mind control. Right. That's the main goal of mind control is to keep people apathetic. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, like, like most people, I would say, I mean, at least like here in the United States, I would say like probably 80% of, of people are stuck working for large corporations, making crappy money and living shitty lives. And it's essentially like slavery. Yeah. Is that whole thing being orchestrated by the ETs? Yeah. Why did he want us to live shitty lives? Because... That's how you. That's how you farm cows. You put them all in a field, you make them eat the same thing, and then you 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 butcher them and eat them periodically. That's basically what they're doing with humans, except they do it with energy, and in entertainment. You know, like the reptilians have actually human slave colonies. We're like playthings to them. You know, they can get us to, to to create these huge wars, create these big huge missile programs, uh, these gulag programs, and they're sociopaths. That's their that's their kick, is to get humans to do terrible things to each other. All the while making them think that they're free and they're working for something honorable. It's terrible. It's a great it's a great game. It's been going on for thousands of years, and there's no and right now I mean, for most of us once we learn this and we look out into the world, it's like you know what's going to stop this? People are so bought into this. You know, this idea that oh, we're on, we're kind of on the right track. Yeah, there's problems in the world, but that's just human nature. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not human nature. Was Hitler a reptilian? No, he was. He was a. He was very unique. He was a fallen angel who actually somehow. I'm not sure how how it was decided. It was probably one of those things like if they told us. Um if they told us they'd have to kill us kind of, or, or we would be in danger, but he was, he was a fallen angel who actually incarnated as a human to solve a karmic legacy involving the Jews 
and the whole thing went sideways. And so he ended up serving the darkness, if you will, in that incarnation. And he had, he, you know, he, his, the oligarchy that surrounded him in, in this whole manipulation was heavily influenced by the Arcturians and the Reptilians. So Maria, Maria Orsic is the one that we would, we would point to mm-hmm. uh, on the Arcturian side. And then just about everyone on his staff, his close staff, were killed and replaced by reptilians. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, With his battle of fallen angels, is there a hell? No. um, What what comes from the, the stories of hell... Um, come from what happens if you die and you don't transition to the light. So when you die, you lose all your senses. You don't have vision. You don't have feeling. You just have your thoughts. And it's very dark. And there's no frame of reference. And so what happens is the same entities that were attached to you in life can basically have a field day with your consciousness because you are not an incarnate spirit and you're not, you haven't transitioned to the light. You're just out there floating around and basically uh, a low, low grade f- food source for these entities. Hmm. And, um, and then what they'll do is they'll, tr- they'll just keep you in a constant state of, of, of fear and trying to figure out a way to escape their attacks. And um, that just goes on. In, you know, it, it, from from the from the spirit's perspective, it, you know, time time also gets really strange in the, in that arena. So, like for instance, when Carl did a spirit rescue on Marilyn Monroe, you know, from our perspective, she was a disincarnate spirit for fifty years, for over fifty years. And uh, so, this happens to about one third of all humans. So, the humans that die see that and then come back. Or if it's somehow, if they're able to communicate it back to humans, that's hell. Right. That's hell. Hmm. Well, at least it's not eternal. No, it's not. Our, our eternal place is with, is with God in what we call the light, with a capital L, heaven, if you will. You know, and then, and then all the stories around that kind of thing has been it's been corrupted as well. So it's it's hard. It's really it's very difficult to navigate your way on Earth. It's it's got it's one of those places in the universe. I mean, to I mean, if you if you're a human here and you and you volunteered to come, which all of us did, you're special. Most beings that have the ability to incarnate as humans, they don't want to come here. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to come here. Which religion is closest to the truth? Nah, I wouldn't. I don't None know. Of them? I, I, I think that's kind of like a, a, a question that um, is, you know, whatever answer I would give would be very divisive and very unproductive because mm-hmm. what you need to look at is, the, is each individual Let's say so somebody could come to um, the Islam religion or the Christian religion or Buddhism or something, and they can have a relationship through that religion that is very spiritually. I mean, they, they can be very high alignment with God. Okay. But it's the individual. That's what counts is the, is the person, the soul. 
because that's that's what has the connection to God, not the religion. Right, right. Is yeah. this more of a spiritual path rather than a faith-based path? Yeah, although although I, I would say that faith is a big part of what's going on here because we have so little, it's like you were saying earlier, so, you know, why would God do this? You know, and we, we wrote a whole uh, ebook about that question, mm-hmm. a free ebook on our website, you know, it's a creator speaks. And it talks about that whole idea of like, why would God do this? This is, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a, there's a lot of rational, cons- you know, um, thought around someone being very suspicious about uh, God claims, <laughs> you know, because of what we see on, on earth. You know, it's like it defies, you know, reason. It defies logic, you know. Right. So well, I understand, you know, when I was young, I used to play in a punk band. One of the first songs I ever wrote was called God Spit on Me. Because, <laughs> because that's what it felt like. And that's what life I felt know. like to me. It just felt like this yeah. epic, futile experience, and it just sucked, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and you couldn't uh, wipe it off. And I wasn't getting answers from religion or any other place. Right. Um, you know, it, it wasn't until I started looking I was it within really yeah that I started to feel like okay it's inside you know it's not yeah. outside it's inside where I have to look yeah um and it's interesting that uh you know one of the things though that I still kind of have an issue or not an issue but but I still question is you know with with the interviews about the aliens and the demons and the battle of good and evil and humans being an important part of it. Well, my view of the universe is one that's infinite. You know, there's infinite universes, there's infinite dimensions. It, it, it's basically endless. Everything that's possible exists somewhere. In, in that I type would of, tend to agree with that. In, in that type of in that scheme of thing, it's hard for me to perceive humans as something important. Yeah. No, I get it. Well, it turns out we are important because <laughs> because <laughs> if we're successful, we're going to solve evil um, in this galaxy and then eventually in the universe. So, are we the and, most important? No, no, I, I, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it that way, but, um, but we're important, you know, we're, uh, you know, our, our souls are vast. Um, you know, our connection to our soul is through our higher self and the higher self is like the lifeline to God. So like the, if you know, you heard the, the term silver cord, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. like what the higher self uses to keep our, our, our life animation going on in this physical realm you know, if that cord's cut, we're dead. And but if we were able to go up that cord through our higher self and into our own soul, it would be it's just amazing. I mean, because that's that's where um, that's what God created. God created our soul uh-huh. and our soul is um, it's it is multidimensional. And it is it's like you there is an accurate way of looking at yourself where you would use the pronoun we instead of I. And you see this a lot in the channeling. So like where, you know, Carl's channeling God and God never refers to him or herself in the singular. It's always we. And so it turns out it's the same. Then the light beings do the same thing. 
mm-hmm. even though even if they're talking about their own incarnation. So we have that that's a phenomenon uh, that kind of leads us to um, more correct notions about who and what we are. Right. Um, we don't need all of our soul down here on earth in order to do what we're supposed to do. Um, and it may, it, it may turn out that we can do what we're supposed to do while being disconnected from our, ourselves and our deep subconscious. Um, and that's probably something we should explore a little bit more thoroughly, um, in the database, because I think that's going to lead to some more productive answers about how we navigate and, and stuff. But for right now, you know, our big push is the Lightworker Healing Protocol. We do, we need more people doing that. If we get enough people doing that, things are going to change and it's going to be obvious. Mm -hmm. And, um, we've had some really wonderful, um, things happen as a result of using this healing modality. And of course we have to be careful because we can run afoul of the law because we can't, you know, you know, all the warnings about with any kind of um, non allopathic healing, um, you know, you could get arrested and thrown in jail or fined or sued for practicing medicine without a license. Yes. So we have to be really careful about, you know, the claims we make and stuff. But from an anecdotal perspective, and is what is what we can talk about. It's it's pretty amazing. And then as a follow up to that, or an adjunct to that, you know that that's our premier offering to the world is the light work breathing protocol. There's not, in my view, there's nothing better. If you if if you just learned that and did that, you will have you for most of us, you will have accomplished your life mission, and you can do wonderful things with it for the rest of your life. But if you did want to go f- further and attack this, maybe on, on what might be th- thought of as a more personal level, you can do another thing that Carl um, developed uh, with the help of a guy who actually uh, initially developed the holographic memory resolution um, healing modality, a guy named Brent Baum in Tucson, Arizona. And this is for uh, reframing trauma. So Carl took that technique developed by Brent and uh, turned it into uh, a, a, a healing modality where Carl would channel the client's deep subconscious. And then we do the HMR process with the deep subconscious part of the mind. So this is another remote healing modality, just like the LHP, um, where you do not need permission from uh, the client, because the um, the gatekeeper is once again the divine realm and the person's higher self. And but you, what we do is we have a channeler channel the client's deep subconscious, and you go through this um, process of finding the most intractable, uh, detrimental, deleterious trauma and reframing that. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that um, you can actually have uh, you know physical results from the, from the act of doing this. But what we found out is that, you know, 78% of all chronic physical illnesses in a given incarnation are due to previous life trauma. And so this is a modality where we can go back in and not only reframe the trauma, change its energetic signature in the Akashic records, but we can also do what we call belief work, which has kind of come out of uh, the unstable's work. Um, 
uh, DNA theta resolution. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Theta healing? No. Yeah. So she, so that's another modality that Carl uh, learned. And so we do belief work in that same process. So I learned how to do the HMR back in, um, was it fall of 2018? And I did it conventionally for some time. But all the, all the while, I was, I was waiting for Carl to train another Chandler to be able to do this myself, to work with the Chandler. And I would do the HMR part, and the Chandler would channel the client's deep subconscious. And about five weeks ago, I finally got a Chandler to work with. So now we've been doing that, and we're booked out. It's just word of mouth. We're not advertising it anywhere. And people are just telling each other about it, and we're getting, you know, we're busy. I got two, I got two calls today with her in Australia and we're going to do three sessions this afternoon and we'll still be a week behind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Busy. It's wonderful. It's powerful stuff. How does it work? Like, can you give me an example well, of what, well, okay, what so a what, session so is So what like? we do is that, okay, so the, the channeler will say, this is so-and-so's deep subconscious speaking. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, imagine a safe scene. We create a safe scene and then we ask them to, to associate a color with the safe scene. So the deep subconscious says, you know, green or whatever. And I say, okay, run that green all through your body and tell me when you're done. And then invariably what happens is that let, you know, color is the first language for humans. When you, when you incarnate as a baby and you're trying to interact with the world, color is your big means of like communicating and understanding and getting a, a a relational establishment with your environment is through color. Mm -hmm. Um, So this has been studied a lot. So anyway, so this color goes through the body and invariably it stops somewhere and the deep subconscious will store trauma in the body somewhere. And uh, so the color stops. And so we ask the deep subconscious to describe this area, this feeling in the body where the energy stopped. And then we go through a process where we find out that, that, um, that energy blockage is associated with a trauma almost invariably in a previous life. And, and then we ask, so they will describe the whole trauma, the deep subconscious will describe the whole trauma. And then we, then we, we tell the deep subconscious, well, you you have the ability to, to reinvent this event, to recreate this event and recreate it in the way that you would like to see it occur. And then once they've done that and described it and they say, and then the instructions to the deep subconscious is, okay, we'll create that scene in your mind and we're going to take a picture of it. And that picture is going to have a frame around it. And in that frame, there's another, there's a color. So that's the process where the deep subconscious can change the energetic signature from a traumatic event to something that is either neutral or non-triggering. And then we just go through that process. It's like peeling an onion, but with the, with the divine realms help and the guidance of this whole process, we found that we go to the ones that are most important, the ones that can be dealt with in a single session without Mm -hmm. overwhelm for the client. Um, You know, if you, uh, there's a, what's they call it? Ab reaction. Anyway, a lot of times in healing, even in physical modalities, if you do too much healing all at once, you can have like an adverse reaction. It's like, um, you know, it's like, it's like going from the dark to the light and your eyes hurt, you know, you're like oh, right. shit, you know? So the, with the divine realm being involved in this process, we found that it's very modulated. It's very, it's very beneficial in terms of how much is done for each session. 
So we do just enough so that they're so we're getting a lot we're getting a lot of bang for the buck for the time that's spent and everything, but not too much. And uh, so me personally, I'm at the infant stages of this, but I'm like in overwhelm on how beautiful it is. It's just um, it, I'm so blessed to be able to do this at this stage. What's of it, life, what does it you know? feel like for me? Yeah. Well, I feel honored. You know, I mean, there, there's nothing better than being able to genuinely help somebody. That's going to, you know, if you if you can do something to help somebody that makes a really significant difference in their life and potentially something that will help them for the rest of their existence, there's no greater gift. You can't beat it. It's incredible. Um. I forgot what I was going to ask now. <laughs> <laughs> but but with, is, is, is there, there's so much here in what you're saying. Um, with like with the healing, so so there has to be two people involved. There has to be like you, the healer, and the channeler. No, no, I'm, I'm the one who, who guides the deep subconscious through the holographic memory resolution process. Mm-hmm. And then the channeler is channeling the client's deep subconscious. So you're actually speaking to the client's deep subconscious. Okay. The channeler is just providing that, that avenue. And, and she, the woman I work with, her name's Helen Trichard. She lives in uh, Australia. So we, you know, like her afternoon is, or my after my afternoon is her morning the next day. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like okay, uh, so that's what we deal with. But so like today after we hang up, mm-hmm. I've got I got a recording session with with Carl. Um, we're going to um, we're going to channel a uh, a doctor who was involved with the CIA, mm-hmm. and then at three o'clock my time out in the West Coast, I'm going to hook up with. Uh, Helen, and we're going to do two of these uh, HMR sessions, and then we're going to take a break, and then at six we're going to do another one. Oh wow! And um, so, um, and I record them, and we send the client the MP3 file, and uh, it's like 125 bucks, and we work up to an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the LHP we charge a two two fifty for that, and then tomorrow morning I'm doing an LHP for a family in England. Okay. And. Uh, so yeah, so I'm busy and I'm loving it. I mean, I, I'm uh, I just turned 64 um, last week, and um, so you know I finally found something to do that's going to really make a difference. I mean, that's the way I look at it. And, yeah. Uh, and Plus, you're 64 and still alive. That's I'm an accomplishment. Still alive. Yeah. According to many people, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever come across people that don't have past life trauma? Is there such a thing as a human that does not have that? No. And if there is, I I doubt we would ever encounter them. You know, I mean, I, I, perhaps that's possible. Carl channeled and asked a question. This is a few, a couple of years ago, I think, Mm -hmm. but the average person's had over 400 some odd lives on earth. Yeah. And um, most of them, as you could imagine, are filled with trauma or many of them are filled with trauma. That's just life on earth. And, and unfortunately, through most of those lives, we've never really had any good healing modality. So that's why this thing is such a big deal, because the LHP, even the LHP itself, is not the time-bound healing modality. So we have these these phenomena that occur 
both with the HMR work and the LHP, more so with the LHP, I would say, where we have retrocausal healing. So you'll do a session for somebody, but actually something happened three years ago as a result of doing the session then that happened to this person that would be easily in the category of healing. Mm-hmm. And it could be anything from, oh, I got a flat tire as opposed to getting into a head-on collision and dying because we did the LHP. And we kind of figured this out circuitously, uh, you know, especially for myself, because, I mean, it was, it's kind of like, I put it in the same categories as this uh, reptilian replacement thing. You know, I thought it was kind of sporadic and, you know, just the off chance thing, you know, whatever, but it's actually a lot more common. And so is the retrocausal healing. It's a lot more common than, than what I had originally thought. I can't really speak for Carl on that, but have me, you, it was like, like, wow. Have you ever had a person uh, that's a, a reptilian come to you for healing? No, but we've channeled reptilians in the light. We have two two channeling sessions where we channeled the reptilian, and we did one with the nocturian. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this was a fascinating inter- interview. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed and, it. Uh, I, I know you have a busy day. Before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? Uh, getwisdom.com. It's all one word. Um. It's kind of a big, overwhelming website, so um, it is massive. Apologize. Yeah, <laughs> and we self-host all the videos and stuff, and we're about to roll out a self-hosted email program, so that we can actually follow up with our, you know, followers, clients, whatever, through a, more of an automated self-hosted email program, which is a huge deal. Nobody does that, and you know, we're we're kind of responding to the censorship environment that's going on right now. That's getting quite aggressive. In fact, you know, a lot of people are losing their YouTube channels. They're getting deplatformed, and, you know, I, we're, we're just trying to be on the safe side as much as we can. Um, you know, the internet was developed as a weapon by the predecessors of DARPA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're in the, this is the devil's sandbox here. So, <laughs> you know, um, so there's some challenges, you know, and, uh, but yeah, getwisdom.com. There's a contact page there. We could do consultation about the LHP, about the HM, the deep subconscious channeling and the holographic memory resolution work. Uh, a lot of that consultation is free of charge within reason. Um, the LHP sessions are 250 for a single person and the, uh, the uh, deep subconscious channeling holographic memory resolution is $125. And we usually recommend that people get the LHP done first. It's kind of like cleaning up your living room before you invite guests over. Um, yeah. And then I used to have a, a, a YouTube channel called Why Is This True? That's still up. My website under the same name is down. And pretty much all my work now is devoted to Get Wisdom. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely post a link to the getwisdom.com in the notes to this episode so my listeners can check it out while they're listening all right thank you i appreciate that and um hey you know if carl ever wants to come on and do a channeling on my show i would love to have that okay i will let him know i'll be talking to him today because that would be that would be a killer episode i've never had anybody do that yeah he he's uh he's gifted um and uh yeah, if anybody wants a taste of that, just go on to Get Wisdom and you go to the Hidden Knowledge and there's a whole bunch of uh, podcasts and videos. So you can watch the videos of him doing it and you can also just 
you know, download the podcast, I think, from the website and listen to it in your car or whatever. They're quite lengthy. Most of them are like two hours long. Mm -hmm. And we've done all kinds of, you know, we've done Whitney Houston, uh, the monster from the Andes, uh, you know, uh, Marshall Applewhite. Wait, he did uh, Einstein too, didn't he? Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, Cleopatra, um, Mary Magdalene, Mae Russell, tons, I mean, tons and tons of people. Arthur C. Clarke, Robin Williams, hmm. Prince, Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to lean more towards the, uh -huh. uh, we did Everett, the guy who did, who wrote the, uh, who did the work in uh, quantum mechanics. Uh, you, 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 you know who I would like to contact? G.E. Kincaid. G.E. Kincaid. Hmm. He is a guy who supposedly found a lost cave in the Grand Canyon filled with Egyptian treasure. Oh, I read about that. And that is just something that I'm really trying to get to the bottom of. I'm actually even planning an expedition to go look for it. Okay, don't tell anybody that. Well, they know. <laughs> I've done like three episodes on it already. Okay. All right. All right. Well, cool. So if, he, if he's interested, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm charged. I'm jealous. I'm charged, and I take it jealously that I get to select the uh, channeling subjects. So, <laughs> and, it, and I, and I, I approach it like kind of like an artist. You know, like I used to be a fine art painter. I used to paint seascapes, mm -hmm. and and I found out, you know, if you, in order to make a good painting, you really have to be interested in the, in the subject. And so that's kind of the way I approach this right. same thing. It's like. If we're if we're gonna channel somebody, you know, I I have to do the research. I have to come up with the questions and everything. So um, so I kind of like I you know that's what I hang my hat on. It's like you know if I'm inspired to do it, then that's the channeling subject. But if I had to work off of someone's list, I'd probably go into a coma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I'm definitely curious about the GE Kincaid because there's not much out there on it. It's, yeah. it's such a mystery. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, there's, there's topics like that, that um, the reason it's a mystery is because, um, you know, it's a whole dead body story. Again. Yeah. And it's also related. Like, like he says that part of that story, one of the versions of it out there is that he found an underground city and, and some people associate that with the reptilians. Yeah. And that's it, completely possible. Yeah. And 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 then and then thus dangerous mm -hmm. yeah and so that's probably i mean that i mean it, it's not necessarily the reason but um you know it it's like dulles you know yeah uh, schneider you know he's dead he doesn't get to tell the story anymore you know why is he dead well he didn't commit suicide hmm interesting yeah. well Hey, this is a great interview. Thank you for being on today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate being invited. And I'll just hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro, and we'll wrap it up. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise. 
to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.